This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Bill Robertson, longtime PR man of Major League Sports, now the commissioner of the USHL. And oh yeah, he worked the Winter Olympics too as we talk about it and uh, uh, get infatuated with it for a week or two. Billy, thank you for joining us. Well, you're more than welcome, Mike. Uh, glad to be with you again. Do you, I mean, do you think it would even be, I, I, I hate to say this, but would it even be fun to be a, a PR person in, in the Winter Olympics right now with, with no fans and very little media except for Zooms? I, I think it'd be really hard because you feed off a lot of that energy of yeah. the fans being in the building and, and the travel to go to China is is a lot more rigorous than it was for me to go to either Salt Lake City, Utah, or Turin, Italy. So it's much different. Uh, and I I think it would be a lot harder. Um, it would take a younger younger person to to really want to be able to do that. <laughs> but what I have to say this to you that both my adventures in the Winter Olympics phenomenal and i wouldn't trade that experience for anything now, now when you get to the, the the games itself and the day by day uh are you, are you going to the village and back are, are you what 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 happens do, do, do you do you just stay amongst yourselves what do you do yeah well we were uh we were stationed with the usoc uh, personnel and then every morning we'd go to the press center uh, and talk to the, the heads of, of the USOC about what was coming up for the day. And then we would head over to the rink. And my first time around in Salt Lake in 2002, Herb Brooks was the head coach of that team. And it was a little, little bit different because it was in the U.S., which made it a little easier to get around. But at the same time, um, uh, your day is really uh, press center to the – or hotel to the press center to the rink, and that and pretty much you're there the whole time. And they asked me to do both men's and women's hockey at the same time, and I was happy to do it because I was there to work and to gain experience and to meet so many wonderful people. So uh, that was really a, it's kind of like Groundhog's Day for about 17 days, Mike. That's the hard part about <laughs> it because you're doing the same exact drill every single day. And, and by the way, both those teams were contending for a gold medal. They were uh, the uh, in in Salt Lake City. They both were uh, the men finished with a silver, and the women's finished with a silver. And then that when we went to Torino, uh, Italy. The women had a bronze, and the men's really uh, dropped off quite a bit that year. And finished, uh, I believe, a disappointing fifth. Yeah, I remember that now. And then all the questions and the this and the that that went with it. Bill Robertson is our guest. Was Herb Brooks in in Utah? 
you know, once you do what he did in 1980, of course, your life's never the same. Uh, w- was he kind of um, the fo- uh, the symbol, so to speak, of Winter Olympics? And, and, and was he in, just in constant demand because it was on U.S. soil? Yes, he was. And I have a quick story that I, I think your listeners would love to hear is that he and I met at East Cafe in downtown St. Paul in December before the Olympics. And I wanted to get to know him a little bit further and know what he wanted, expected from me. And he says, Bill, every day at the Olympics, I want to meet with the Minnesota contingency of media on my own. Um, and I need you to facilitate that. You know all these people. I will do all the national, international things I need to do. But I think it's really important that I, that we put our best foot forward. I'm, I'm going to cuss you out at times, tell you I don't want to do it, but I will do it every day. And by God, we did it every single day. Um, and we met with the, the writers and the the television stations that were, were in, in Salt Lake at that time. And he did a marvelous job of orchestrating that. He was a little m- more mellow, from what I understand, than he was in the 1980 mm. gold medal winning team. Um, but he certainly treated the staff exceptionally well. And I, I think it's one of the highlights of my career was able to have a chance to work day by day and listen to him talk about hockey and the strategy around it and the great game it is. Did, did he, um, did, could you tell that, that psychologically, because he was now uh, coaching uh, NHL players and all-stars as opposed to college, cause could, could you see a change in him as a coach that way because you, you can't coach him the same way? Correct. He, he, he knew they were professionals and he couldn't grind on them like he did in in, in, uh, in uh, Lake Placid, New York. An- another thing he did, though, was uh, Nike came into our, our room before the uh, the day before the first game and started handing out all these all this uh, merchandise to all the players. And Herb stopped it immediately and said, "Nope, um, I-, I want you to be able to give this out, but I want you to start with the equipment managers. I want you to start with the trainers and the PR people and the security people." And then we'll get to the players. And his method method was that he wanted to make sure that everybody was a team and that the players weren't bigger, even though they're NHL superstars. There's the Mike Madonos and the Bill Guerins were on that team. And he said that Bill Robertson or or whoever whoever the trainer was is just as important to our success as you players. And I thought that was the most amazing thing. The Nike people just dropped their jaws and then had to go out and get <laughs> ten more bags of, uh, of swag, so to speak, to make sure they took care of everybody. I heard a similar story one time when he'd won a national championship at at Minnesota, and and. Uh, they were not going to get national championship rings or something like that. And he cornered one of the administrators, uh, I don't know who, and told them in no uncertain terms that they would be ordering rings and the athletic department would be paying for them. <laughs> because these kids earned, something, earned a memory out of that, and he was not going to have them denied that and make sure you order enough rings for the trainers and everybody else on the staff. you know. And they gulped, but that was her. Can you stay on with us for a quick break? Absolutely. I want to talk about the USHL and where it stands and watching some of those players uh, mature into Olympians and beyond. Bill Robertson, what's it been like to come out of COVID from where he stands in the hockey world? Because he's seen a lot. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Joel. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Billy Robertson is our guest. You get the two confused often, I know. A bill is a bill, they say. Uh, until it becomes a law. No, I don't know. 
Bill, uh, the uh, we were talking about the Winter Olympics and your experience. You know, you've got some Winter Olympians that that came through the USHL. Uh, bring people up to date because I feel like we're a little bit removed because of COVID and whatnot. And we know there's junior leagues out there. We're not sure how they function the last couple of years. How healthy is the USHL this year, and how does it feel? Well, it's it's doing extremely well, and I'm not saying that because I'm the president and commissioner of the league, but I will have to say to you that. That the that uh, the USHL um, league is as strong as it's ever been, Mike. We had 50 players drafted this this past year into the NHL, uh, and the first two picks in the NHL draft were former USHL players. So that tells you the kind of talent that's there. And pretty much every tournament that we've had to date, every player on the roster is committed to a Division One school in the United States to play collegiate hockey. So there's a ton of talent out there. The COVID situation that you're asking about uh, has lessened a bit this year. Uh, We have a internal COVID task force that works really hard with the teams to make sure uh, our young men are vaccinated and they're doing the right things. And and it's been um, a pretty good ride. We've lost only handful of games this year knock on wood and i hope that's the way it continues because i've lived that with the wcha when i was a college commissioner and saw how that just wrecked uh, havoc over our tournament and our entire season last year Uh, so i'm happy to report that we're playing the majority of our games certainly we have issues sometimes we have ice issues and other things that go on but that's normal in 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 this world of hockey but the ushl is doing really well and I think I've said this to you before, you know, one of the things I want to do, the league started in Minnesota and I would love to have a a expansion team come to Minnesota and play uh, in our great league. Okay. Now how difficult is that? That that seems to me, I know I'm going to oversimplify this. Uh, You know, you got to find ice time, you got to find a home arena and all those things, but uh, it doesn't seem like that would be that difficult to get somewhere in the metropolitan area or, or is everybody basing it on what they think attendance will be? Is, is this, you know, is this now, is it a financial game that you're playing? What is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of, of financial and the, and the right, arena and the right arena lease and i'm not saying that necessarily it would be in the twin cities either it, be, it may be in another part of our state um the area of rochester minnesota has was an original home for a ushl team sure and that's an area coach territory went down there once yeah yes that's an area that's expressed a lot of interest in it um it, it costs money to get an expansion team and, and you got to have the right people that want it and certainly if we have one team we got to have two teams to make the travel uh partners and, and all those scheduling things work out uh well so i'm i'm working on that but i'm really working to learn more about uh how i can make this league better and drive revenues on the business side and as well as have a great championship this year when kids want to play in the USHL, is the I mean, at this day and age in basketball, you send a sizzle tape to start, and everybody's got them, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how how do I know they have tryouts and camps and whatnot? But for the parent that's out there going, you know, my my son really wants to play junior hockey USHL. They probably don't even understand the difference between the different junior leagues. You know, some of them at some point in time. Uh, how do you educate them on that? Who who's the kid? How, how do you get to the USHL? 
Well, it's a it's a tier. We're the only tier one league in in the United States, which means that's the highest level, uh, other than college hockey of amateur hockey. It's sixteen to twenty year olds, and they have camps for these young kids. We have three coming up in two in April and one in July in Chicago, where young kids come and participate. And there's a ton of college scouts and USHL scouts looking at these kids. By the time they're 16 or 17, they're already had their mind made up and, and committed to many of these schools across the U.S. that, that house Division One and, and sometimes Division Three college hockey. Now, now, at a given game, how many scouts will be there? How, how many pro scouts? How many college scouts? If you know, all things being equal, and, and no COVID coming into the equation. Yeah, I would say that on an average, we'll have probably 20. 30 scouts at every game that includes NHL slash college scouts. No, no matter if they've already signed their, this young person to a, a tender to, to uh, come to their university, uh, they still come and watch. I was in Rochester, New York in early December for our tournament. And uh, we don't have any teams out on the East coast in the, in the USHL. And we had over 200 scouts, NHL and college coaches watching Green Bay and Young Youngstown play. Uh, we had, we had a forty-five team youth tournament as well as these two U, USHL teams playing. I just couldn't get over that, Mike. Wow. They had that many scouts, and then our early tournament, our Super Bowl, is really our fall classic, which is in Pittsburgh at the beginning of the year, and we had three hundred and seventy-five. Division One coaches and NHL scouts in Pittsburgh for that event. So well, that's that kind of a letdown. Me. After that, then you got to play the season in the playoffs, isn't it? Yes, it, it, it's different. Um, it, it's but they, they, what they're trying to do is figure out who's who's on the radar here and who am I going to watch and recruit the rest of the way, right? Correct. And then I get I get calls and emails every day from parents asking for assistance in getting their kid in the NHL and. Are you getting their, their 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 young person, young man into the USHL? And and I will say this: that that's not my role, and I don't do that for a living. Um, and we have people that that understand that really well. But it's amazing that, in my mind, that that a lot of people believe that it's harder to make a USHL roster because there's only 16 teams. That includes the USA Hockey team, the under 18 team that plays out of Plymouth, Michigan. But it's harder to make a USHL roster than it is a Division One college roster, and a lot of people believe that. Wow! Well, yeah, and when you say it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because you're drawing from everywhere in the world, and uh, you know it's a different game, etc. But it kind of it kind of makes sense that that would be uh, uh, the case. Last question for you: you know, What what do the Minnesota Wild do? Uh, you worked for the Wild for a long time. What what do they do for hockey in the state? Boys hockey, girls hockey, to have you know an NHL team and a good experience. What does that do do to 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 raise the uh, uh, to raise the tidal wave a little bit higher in terms of captivating and having role models and all those things? Can, can you even begin to quantify that? Well, it's hard to quantify it exactly, Mike. But it it it's it's brought the sport in the state of Minnesota to a, a much bigger level. It's I what I really truly believe is it has brought more young females, women to play the sport at a younger age. Um, and then people looking up to these players and wanting to play high school hockey, uh, junior hockey for, for boys, and then 
on their way to playing hockey forever, uh, whether it's a recreational league or they play Division One college hockey. I, I think the Wilds' presence in Minnesota has meant so much, and the absence of seven years between the Minnesota North Stars and the Minnesota Wild um, left a gap, but the Wild closed it really quickly by reaching out, and that was Bob Nagley Jr.'s vision as well as Jack Sperling's vision to get into the communities and promote the sport at all levels and without asking for anything in return, not buy season tickets, not buy sponsorships, just come and play and watch the sport and support our team and we'll give back into the community. And that's exactly what they did. It was a model way to start a franchise in a state that was so hungry to have the NHL return. Appreciate you, sir. Hope we can do it in person soon. I look forward to it, Mike. Look forward to having lunch with you, too, sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Bill Robertson doing a great job, commissioner of the USHL. And uh, he's got quite a resume, man, when you look at that. And you know, when you start with a guy, you know, like like he was in at the Timberwolves about the same time I was getting started. And you, you just you kind of live life together. You kind of do life together. And you go different places and do different things. But uh, Bill's one of those guys that you always stay in touch with, not just me, but many, many others. Uh, because he just like being around him. He's one of those guys. Um, so you know, I mentioned this. I was talking about this before about what you know what happened in Minneapolis today, and I'm just so saddened by it and so burdened by it. But I was, you know, I as a reporter, I love to try to figure out what's going on. So today I went over to 38th in Chicago, and uh, you know the George Floyd Square and everything over there, and, and, and I had um, lunch with with. Uh, uh, Sam Willis, and Sam, Sam grew up here. You know, and he moved from Chicago. But great basketball player here. His father, Sharif Willis, um, and he always, you know, just he he he, he kind of clues me in as to what's going on and how we're doing, what progress we're making. Um, when we come back, I'm going to bring Sam Willis into the conversation, and I'll share with some of the stuff that we talked about. Stay with us. Sports to the max at WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 